of Yahweh, yet again you have graced me with this new day to allow me to be the conduit from your treasury to share. Bless him me so that I can bless others. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for this. And open the ears of any out there that are questioning that they would come and be saved be resolved in order to accept that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. These seeds that I sow are for your harvest, Father God. You are the Savior. You are the Lord. You are our God. I am merely sowing the seed. Thank you for that opportunity to draw from your treasury. Thank you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Parakletos, Aman. Pardon me. Goodness gracious, right off. So, a couple of interesting things through my reading, which is um, exactly what we talked about. Um, so, I share with you these things. I, I shared with you um, about not being afraid and shared with you about the valley of the shadow of death and shared with you that the geological formation of a valley, it's open-ended, it's, it's not closed. So many people have a fear of dying. And they think that it's a close-ended. Well, the scripture talks about being a valley. And the valley is merely a shadow because our Lord, our light, he will meet us and greet us. And we are told that as soon as we close our eyes to this physicality, the Lord takes us to heaven. We are with the Lord. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God, you have faith in God, and you heed the guidance of the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. Nothing to be afraid of. There's a, a one story that I was uh, reading here. <clears throat> and a young child was seen taking a shortcut going across a cemetery and it was dark and then <clears throat> the person on the other side saw him come out he emerged and asked the kid he says aren't you afraid and the boy's response was no I only cut through there to get home Interesting analogy. Only cut through there to get home. And I bring that up because we are not home. We are not home. This is not our home. And there are some that I've heard squawking and screaming. Goodness gracious, it's almost like you were trying to, like you had your foot up on their chest or trying to pull out their eye teeth. 
Oh my goodness. <coughs> getting all defensive, getting all agitated. This is my home. I'll fight for my home. Uh, and these were church going, claiming to be Christian by title only. So if this is your home, then that means that what you just confess is that you are not reading the Bible. You're not believing the word of God. You're not testifying. You're not sharing the word of God and you don't believe the Bible. Sorry, that's the only presumption I can make. The evidence you just presented was this is my home. Well, I'm in agreement with Dr. Billy Graham. This is not my home. My home is in heaven. And that's where I want to be. I want to be in heaven with my heavenly Father, my Lord and Savior. Although, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say other than hallelujah, aman, and offer praise. How do you thank somebody who gave their life as a sacrifice specifically for me or you? And that goes for whosoever will listen to and know and believe and see and hear. How do you thank somebody? Well, that's to be about the Father's business, to testify to the gospel, the good news the glory that our Lord Jesus Christ did come and did sacrifice, that we share that with anybody else. And that the valley of the shadow of death is just the way home. Just the way home. <coughs> And we have uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, it tells us now we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So, that's saying, <clears throat> pardon me, that we should be always in confidence because the Lord is with us always. And he will not leave nor forsake us for anything in any situation. And we are confident in the fact, and especially that he is with us all, but that we walk by faith and not by sight. And Paul explains to the church at Corinth, starting in verse 5, Now he that had wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are home in the body, 
we are absent from the Lord. So we're here in this body moving around, but our Father God is in our heavenly home, in our kingdom. And and Dr. Billy Graham, I, I have to agree with him. My home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through this world and doing my father's business. I'm a traveling, I'm a traveling working guy. I've got a work visa from Lord God Almighty. And he did that because his son came and died for me. And the only thing that I can do is that I can... I can be about my father's business, and that's all he's asked me to. That's all he's asked me to do. In walking through that cemetery, the kid was seen, and he was not afraid. So that's just a shortcut, heading home. Nothing to be afraid of. Well, the same thing is told to us through the biblical scriptures. It's a way that we get home. That's all it is. And a valley is open-ended. <laughs> open on both ends. It doesn't, a box canyon is closed on one end. And people have this fear, or have had this fear of death, and I used to be, I, I'm not afraid of death. If I die, I die. I know where I'm going. And I know who's going to meet me. And there's a great, it's a great song. Actually, I like it. It's very short, very, very simple, but it's a song. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair. I know not if he'll lay me down or raise me up to meet him in the air. But I know in whom I am believing I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's actually from the scriptures, the letter that Paul wrote, that he is persuaded that he is able to keep that against that, to keep what I've committed against that day. That day regarding when he comes and everyone's taken up and then we have to stand that judgment. But I'm not afraid of any of this that comes. I'm not afraid of anything that's coming because I know that the Spirit walks with me. I know that the Lord has promised He is going to meet me. And Psalm 23. (laughs) Because this goes back to, uh, (coughs) pardon me, the explanation that that Jesus gives to and 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 I love it because <clears throat> sheep are actually pretty intelligent people think that they're they're very dumb um, <clears throat> sheep are more like human beings than than we think they are because we like to think ourselves being smarter than anything else but here's the thing Sheep get a little skittish about things, but they know that when their shepherd is with them that they're protected. And, and that little that uh, staff that the shepherd carries and it has a crook on the end of it, you've seen a lot of that in illustrations in the poem, Little Bo Peep, and so forth and so on. But that staff is not 
to goad the sheep and poke at them, as many believe it is. That's not what that's for. The shepherd never pokes, prods his sheep. And that crook on the end of it, that's to perform helps for the sheep or a rescue for the sheep. I had some acquaintances that I had. I've shared this before, I believe. They're shepherds. <clears throat> and what I learned from them was, was pretty darn amazing, actually. And when they travel, and sometimes there's two or three of them that'll come together, and when they're traveling in their fields and the, and the property that they've given permission to cross through and take their sheep from one pasture to another, they go from the low pasture to the high pasture, and they stay with their sheep all the time. And the sheep are not gated in. <clears throat> they go into an open fold. And at the opening, there's a shepherd that stays his watch and stays awake all the time. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He is awake during his watch. This is like our good shepherd, our Lord, our God, our sovereign. He does not sleep or slumber all the time he is watching. He is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Always, never sleeping or slumbering. The scripture tells us that. Shepherds do the same thing. And lo and behold, the analogy that Jesus draws to himself is he is the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. And these shepherds were explaining to me that, that they just all go in and they sleep in there. But when it's time for them to leave, each one of them will go in and call their sheep out. The sheep know their shepherd's voice. They leave with their sheep and their sheep only. There's not a confusion, not a mixture of the flocks. And they leave with their sheep only. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Green pastures are for the calm and the peace that he provides when we go to bed at night. We talk to God, close our day. And the still waters. Sheep get a little skittish, and when they get next to a bubbly brook and it's constantly making noise, they don't sleep so good. And do we not act the same way when you hear a strange noise. It's like, honey, honey, go check and see what that is. I heard a noise. And you find that the cat had bumped against the bowl and it went sliding across the kitchen floor. The dog was finishing up what food he had left in there and was banging the dish against the cupboard, what have you. <laughs> but you got to go investigate. You get skittish when you hear noises. Cheap. It's skittish. That's why the shepherd is there, and he makes sure to lead them beside still water. So, in taking care of us, we are provided with rest, ease. Everything isn't perfect. That's not what I'm saying. It's not perfect. And the walk that we're in is not perfect. But the Lord also promises he will never leave nor forsake us. 
Now, what kind of a good shepherd takes his flock out in the middle of nowhere and then just walks off and leaves and they're laying around and the shepherd disappears and doesn't come back? Forsaking. And then they don't, they're unsure of what to do, so they kind of stay in the area and then you have the ravening wolves come in, seeking whom they may devour. We are forewarned that the minions of Satan work that way. And it's not only the demons that come to to throw the temptation, but the minions, the perverts that twist, malign, and darken the word of God, trying to make it their own and twisting it, perverting it, and changing it into darkness. And then they want to rewrite the Bible because it's not relevant. And yet we can go back and forth. This is why that rule of faith is an important thing to remember. That you read forward and backward. Jesus tried to get the Sanhedrin to understand that, and they totally didn't get that. And he told them because they were, they were calling him a blasphemer and all these things. And then they reminded him that they have read the words of the prophet. Uh, okay, so if you read the words of the prophet, then you know my father. Why do you not now know me? And that I speak the truth. If you read the books of the prophets and you heeded their word and you read their word, you believed their word, the Torah, the scriptures written by the prophets, not authored by them, but written by them, God telling them and telling you that I'm coming and yet you don't believe. So how are you biblically scholarly? And I say the same thing to these perverts that get up there on the stage and convince their congregation that the Bible needs to be rewritten. And by whose authority? Not by God's. Because God's authority says, don't rewrite this because it will not bode well for you. And yet you have these individuals that are declaring that needs to be done. Continuing in Psalm 23, 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Pardon me. The Holy Spirit guides our steps, guides our path, guides our walk. Never declaring it's going to be a perfect walk. It's not going to be a perfect place to be here. It's dark and there's stumbling blocks all over the place. So you may trip, you may fall. Except that the Lord restoreth my soul. I can lay down and rest. One of the greatest things, and I'm I'm kind of I'm troubling against this a little bit, and I'm praying about it, and I'm working more and more at it because this uh, electronic device not only does the Lord allow me to use for this delivery system, and I didn't realize that it was far reaching as it is. But not only is that used, but the prince of the air manipulates and uses it 
in idle time. And this is, this is an old adage that was stated many, many, many years ago. An idle mind is a devil's workshop or the devil's playground. It was said in several different ways. But at night when we lay down, rather than taking this silly thing up in the hands and then the minions come in there, what what is that doing? You get, I got this uh, <clears throat> silly thing I'm addicted to, this uh, solitaire game. I think I'll just do it to make me tired, but no, no, no. Set it down, leave it alone because you're stirring up the synapse of the brain and then you're not going to get to sleep. Instead, what you do is you focus on the Lord who has given you a place to rest, to restore your soul, to give your soul, your body, your heart an opportunity to rest, your mind a chance to rest. And that we walk on those paths of righteousness leaded by the Holy Spirit in order to share the good news gospel of Jesus Christ. And though this is written in the Old Testament, we can share the gospel of God the Father, which is exactly what Jesus spoke about, the good news that God is our sovereign Lord. Gospel just means good news. So we share the gospel of God the Father, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who came to save me. And whosoever else will listen and believe. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Just like that young child seen walking through the cemetery. Is he afraid? No, it's just a shortcut. Am I afraid? No. That just means I leave this plane of existence and I'm going home. That's all physical death means. What's to fear? And the Lord says and promises that he is with it always. Always. Meaning at the entry of the valley, he will be there to guide. Valleys are not always straight, but his way is straight. He's going to meet me at the entrance to the valley of the shadow of death. And as soon as I close my eyes and take my last breath, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be at home. This is not my home So for those of you out there that declare yourselves to be Christians and also declare this to be your home, open your eyes, open your ears, get in the Bible and read and listen and heed the word of God, the truth. Until God reforms and makes a new heaven and new earth and cleans this garbage trash and these things that are going on here out This is not our home. We work here, given a working visa by the Lord God Almighty and and in our acceptance of Jesus Christ, the purpose that he asks us to fulfill is to share the gospel. That's it. And many won't even do that because, oh, it's too hard. 
uh, I go out, I get embarrassed, and people will make fun of me, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, well, let's go back and talk about Moses. Moses listed so many things that he had going on, and I'm not the one. God, you made a mistake. Whoa, put on the brakes. And then he tried to talk about a speech impediment, and he was slow as speech, and this and that and the other thing. And God just said, ha, uh-huh. Well, that's why Aaron's going to go with you, because he is an eloquent speaker. And he, you tell him exactly what I tell you, and make sure that it is exactly as I tell you. And you make sure you stand with him and make sure that he says it exactly the way I say to say it. And everything's going to be okay. And you're going back to Egypt, like I said you are. You made the error. I did not. You made the error in bringing this plethora of excuses of why you can't go and share the truth. And there are those that claim the title of Christian and they won't get up out of their recliner. They won't crawl out of the tomb and get into his glorious day. They pull that lever on the recliner and they're more interested in Super Bowl Sunday than they are in sharing the word of God and being in church. I, for one, was thankful that, of course, Super Bowl goes much later now, but you know, I can remember as a young child and a younger man that that uh, pastors are always looking up and and I realize now that after our new remodel at our church that our pastor checks up but there's a clock ticker down in the corner of the big screen back there they put up the um, his notes and things to help him so he doesn't always have to look down at the podium but I'm glad he went over time I'm glad he went beyond the the spectral uh, parameters of the sermon. Not really there, but for some reason, members of the preaching order, they always keep an eye on it. But I kind of, I find that it's good I mean, they try to, to make sure that they please everyone. And, and there are so many that are in such a hot rod hurry to get out of there and get to the playoff or the game or watch a Super Bowl or whatever, that that's more important than focusing on the worship of God, the Father who gave them the opportunity to even do that very thing. But they don't think of that. They just want to get home, watch the game. But he went overtime because what he was speaking was really good and really important and talking about going forward and backwards, which Jesus tried to teach the Sanhedrin. They didn't get it at all. And there are some now that don't get it at all. This is why I try to make sure that I I practice that thing. Because it's all relevant. It's all relationship. You read the Bible from front to back, First chapter, first verse in Genesis, all the way to the last chapter, last verse in Revelation. It's all relative. It all relates and it intertwines. You can go from the New Testament to the Old Testament. Jesus Christ did this very thing when he was alive and, and teaching and going back and trying to point out 
They didn't get it. Oh, look, where are we now? We're in the book of Psalms, penned by David, his poetry, his song to the Lord God Almighty. Not a perfect man. I am not a perfect man. None of us are perfect. And I remind you again that there is nothing here on this plane of existence that is perfect until he who is perfect has come. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. In perfection will return as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Only perfect thing that there will be on this earth when he gets here. Period. Here's the other thing. God does not expect perfection from any of us. None of us does he expect that. But you read forward and back the rule of faith to read the word of God that was penned by men and women on this earth, but he is the author and finisher. He breathed into them the knowledge and wisdom and the words, the inspiration came from God to write. But you read from Genesis through Revelation, and then you can go back and you can intertwine verses from the Old Testament with the New Testament and vice versa. We are now in the book of Psalms, and we're going back to remind this this young, this modern day child was seen going through the cemetery and reminded to go back from the new, can go back to the old. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Again, that staff is not to prod or poke or be unkind to their flock. That staff is to protect the sheep from the minions of Satan. And that crook on the end, he might have to reach down and pull you up, just like he did with Peter. When Peter hollered out to him, Oh, Lord Jesus, call me and I will walk on the water and come to you. Yes, call me, bid me come. Jesus said, Okay, Peter, come on. Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. But he got out a little farther from the boat and he wasn't quite to Jesus. And the waves were pretty big. I've shared with you the Sea of Galilee is kind of a tumultuous place. It, it does this, it just almost seems at a whim. And the waves came up in the wind and then you had some lightning. And Peter started focusing on all that up there and he started to sink. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And he reached down and he pulled Peter up and got him back to the boat. Ah, you have little faith. Continuing, further reading, verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. God prepares a place, and we do have enemies here, that they will... They will seek to take us down, take us out for our belief, our faith in God, our belief in Jesus Christ. There are individuals that are doing that. There are individuals that are true Christians that are, that's happening to now. There are countries where that's happening right now. It's taking place. Even as I speak with you, they are 
losing their physical life because of their faith in God, belief in Christ. And they will not, they will not renounce any of it. And they are killed. In North China, and here's the thing to understand this. When I talk about China, or I mention uh, Korea, where, where they're, incidentally, they're killing folks for believing they're Christian. That does not mean that all Chinese or all Koreans hear my words. There are Korean Christians and Chinese Christians that believe that Jesus Christ came for us. They have faith in God and they're being put to death or being in turn in re-education camps. Interesting that that term is being used in this country now by certain members of this congressional, they never even took an oath of office, not a true oath of office, and yet they sit in Congress and they're the loudest and ones that are griping about this country the most. And they're building what's called re-education camps. They are being built now in this country. So you think that this country is immune to all these things that are going on? Brothers and sisters, you better get in the word of God. You better start reading and you better start paying attention to that very thing. But here's the thing. God promises that he will be with us through all things and he does not sleep nor slumber. We have to have faith in that. And he will prepare a place in the face of our enemies. And he anointeth my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Indeed, God blesses me mightily that I can get into his treasury and share with you, brothers and sisters, his words of truth, knowledge, and wisdom through the word. His word, not mine. I'm just merely a conduit. And the blessings that he pours out on me to pour out on others only blesses me the more. My prayer of Chavez is definitely being answered. He has honored that prayer. And I am able to be about my father's business. That's all this is about, my father's business. He created me, he created us, and he wants me to share that because I have accepted that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. I have faith in him, and I work my best through faith to have the Holy Spirit guide my steps. It doesn't happen perfectly. Again, I share with you, God does not expect us to be perfect. He does not. If he had made us perfect, then there'd be no reason for free will choice and we would be robotic little followers of God Almighty. He didn't make us that way. He made us with a free will choice choosing to be with someone because you love them makes it stronger better more potent doesn't doesn't lead into impotency of that relationship sadly <clears throat> many don't look at it that way i've shared with you already my situation and position and why i'm there But being a man of God that I am now in my closer relationship to God, my closer walk with him, the enemy comes at me hard, hard, hard. 
extremely hard. And my walk is not easy. And there are continuous battles. <clears throat> but here the thing of it is, I take the promise that God gave me wholly, that he will be with me and he walks with me. And he allows my cup to run over so that I can bless other people. Further reading, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that book, or that chapter of the book. And I guess I lean toward the book of Psalms more readily because David reminds me of me and how we actually all are. David was called a man after my own heart. By who? By Lord God Almighty. And then you have the namesayer, naysayers who are, yeah, but he did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. You were always going to have some of those. And there are some who claim to be Christians who will do the same thing. And I, I use that terminology because I think it's accurate terminology, claiming to be Christian. You can say you are a Christian and you ex take that on by title only because, as I've shared before, you don't share the gospel. You go to church depending on the month, four times a month, once a week. You don't read the Bible. You don't share the gospel. You don't say prayers over dinner. However, your spouse may by, uh, you know, when you're sitting there getting ready to eat and then you get ready to dive in your trough and your spouse will say, hang on a minute, let's pray over the food. And then you roll your eyes and you may even say an out loud or exhale loudly in air. It happens. But the sad part about that is that those are individuals that are claiming to be Christian. They claim the title. But here's the deal. They're cultural Christian and what I call SpongeBob Christians. They think that they're going to absorb Christianity and the scriptures by carrying around a Bible. They don't crack the Bible. They don't open it and they don't read it. And I prefer, you know, I use this device and to, to uh, you know, I have apps on here that are, are Bible apps, but they're to help guide me to the scripture because as I age, my memory isn't exactly what it should be, but it's really great because God takes me to specific scripture through his Holy Spirit and he takes me right there and he helps me remember things and he shows me and guides me. I love that. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh Haman, Yeshua Haman, Paraklitos Haman, praiseworthy all. And so I use that, but I like the turning of pages. I like the turning of pages. And I believe I've shared this with you before, is sometimes when I'm having a particularly downtime or down day and, and I just can't seem to to bring up and to lightness in it, um, I open the Bible 
and I bury my face in it and I actually close the leaves against my cheeks. And what I'm able to see is that God has his hand on each one of my cheeks, kind of like my earthly parents used to do when I fell down and got hurt or something. They would help me up and then they would do that and they'd just look at me and give me a smile and say, I love you, you okay? And then you give them the little, uh-huh. Well, God does the same thing. And for me, that's what I have a visual of, that God is holding me and looking me in the eye and he says, you okay? Yes, Father. My heart is hurting. I'm going to keep going. And he goes, you know, I love you. My Holy Spirit's going to walk with you. Always does. I'm always watching. Yes, my Lord. I know that you do. And I know that you love me. Brothers and sisters, we got to be strong. Things are coming. Things are going on. But be not afraid. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And this is, I'm going to share this analogy with you right quick and, and, and make it as quick. So this young family had just recently lost, the, the mother lost a battle with her, her cancer. And the father was trying to figure out how he was going to talk to the kids about death and and her dying. Couldn't figure it out. They were going down the street. And then this big oversized truck came by and the shadow went across them and it startled the children. And in seeing that, immediately gave the father ah, brainstorm, the Holy Spirit, because they were faithful. So the Holy Spirit came in and, and led him through describing this and he was able to give the analogy of that truck's shadow that was not real and it was not going to hit them. It passed over them and through. That analogy was tendered toward Psalm 23. And he was able to explain that to them. Remember, brothers and sisters, it is merely a shadow. As soon as we close our eyes and excel our last breath in physicality, the Lord meets, greets, and takes us through that valley to the gates of heaven. Be blessed. I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. 